You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Yes, yes. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Glad to have you back another week. If it's your first time, get ready for a good time and to stick around for a long time because we've got episodes coming out every week with awesome people that you love to hear about. Uh, great stories, just a fucking awesome time, and I am so fired up today. I am so excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming. Uh, my buddy Scott Mellinger from Zayo. Scott hit me up on Instagram after the Brett Detter uh, episode and mentioned that he liked the show, and uh, I hit him up and said, dude, come on the show, and he was down for it, and, and uh, a few months later, here we are finally putting it out. So this is going to be the ramp up. For Zayo right now. This is going to be a two-week, this is gonna be a two-week episode. So this week it is Scott, and next week it is Daniel, uh, the vocalist for Zayo. And so it's gonna be two weeks of Zayo leading up to the uh, release of their new EP, Pyrrhic Victory. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. It could be Pyrrhic Victory, but I think it's Pyrrhic Victory. And uh, this EP was a collection of songs, I believe, uh, we had mentioned that. Uh, songs that didn't quite fit on the last record that seem like their own release, which I definitely agree with. It is super heavy and super airy, if that makes any sense. I talk about it in the episode, but there's a lot of just open space that allows the heaviness to really sink in. It's really kind of unique, and uh, I think everyone's going to really, really, really like this EP. And uh, it comes out the first week of November. So, the last two weeks of October, it is Zayo time. It is Scott this week and Daniel next week, and both episodes were absolutely fantastic and fun to do. So, uh, anyways, let's get some business out of the way. So, if you're joining us for the first time, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is your home for everything as far as episode, past episodes, uh, you know, news. You can subscribe to the RSS feed, the blog, everything, get all your information there. We are on all the socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, all those apps, there's a million of them out there now. And with the new iOS, uh, I think there's a new podcast app for iTunes. I'm not quite sure. 
But I think that was released uh, this last week or two. I know there's been some craziness surrounding that. So definitely follow us on the socials. As far as the Peer Pleasure uh, Patreon, I want to tell you about that. I tell you about it every episode, and I'm going to keep telling you about it because it's awesome. I think everyone should sign up for it at any rate. Uh, any tier is definitely helpful to the show. Some of the tiers, you get some cool shit. As we speak, we are printing shirts and hats. Uh, it is going to be awesome, guys. Uh, my boy Lance from Jabberjaw hooked up the shirt design. We've got some big artists as well doing some design work for the show that will be out later. And we have got just so much stuff coming up this year. It's going to be awesome. Stick around for that. Stick around for all the updates. Subscribe. Rate the show on iTunes. The Patreon is patreon.com slash Podcast, And you can go there and sign up, help out the show, keep the lights on for us, you know, and... and it takes a lot of work to do this show, and I love doing it. I love every minute of this show, but it also takes work, and it does take some money. So it is nice to, uh, for those of you that are supporting the show, you're really doing a great thing and uh, help me out to keep this thing rolling. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys so much. I can't say it enough. I know I shoot you guys messages and stuff all the time, but I want to say it on here. I absolutely love you guys. So, Without any further ado, let's get into week one of the two-week Zeo phenomenon, Zeo blast, if you will, the last two weeks. And we're going to get into week one with Scott Millinger from Zeo. Okay. Well, Scott Millinger from Zayo, welcome yes. to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Dude, yeah, sorry sorry again. It's been a, f- a few different attempts here, but we've we've done it. We're, we're here. We're happy. We're ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, you're going to find out. I'm sure talking, even talking to Dan, like, we're the most chill, like, stoked dudes. Like, I'm happy to do whatever. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Dan was a lot of fun, man. He uh, he got interrupted right at the beginning by some weird lady coming up to him with a clipboard, like a digital clipboard, looking for something. And all, all I heard Whoa. was it go silent for a second, and then I heard, I'm doing an interview. I'm doing an interview. And I was like, I know, we're doing an it Because this was right at the beginning. I was like, yeah, I know, we are. And, uh, <laughs> in my head, anyway. And then you hear this lady, and he's like, oh, my God. He's like, he was sitting out on his porch in the dark. 
I guess. Oh, and, uh, so and he had so random that somebody would come to his house like Stan has to just deal with so much crap I feel so bad for him sometimes <laughs> he prefaced that with I live across the street from a graveyard and I was like dude this is perfect <laughs> yeah yeah his like literally right across this main street in front of his house two lane road and then there's a freaking cemetery it's crazy oh my god how far do you guys live from each other well me Dan and Marty all live within about 20 to 25 minutes from each other. Oh, okay. Um, and then Jeff used to live, like, right in that same vicinity, but him and his wife now live, they've moved to Brooklyn a pretty long time ago. He's been in Brooklyn for a while now. Oh, wow. Um, so he lives in, yeah, he lives in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, his parents still live, like, real close to me, so he comes home pretty regularly. So we get to hang out when he's home and stuff. And then, um, same with Russ, like all of us, all of us grew up within 20 minutes of each other. Yeah. Russ's parents live pretty close to us, but yeah, Russ personally, he lives in Huntington Beach. So he moved out to California. Oh, wow. So we're a little bit, yeah, we're a little spread apart, but, but you know what, man, when you want to do something, you make it, you make it work. Exactly. And you got the internet. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you yeah. can send files back and forth or, or whatnot. I mean, yeah. it, it seems like the it new is, revolution exactly. is live anywhere you want, you know. Pretty um, much. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to be stuck. You know, you don't have to be stuck in one place like it used to be. Exactly. Exactly. You can write a whole record being in separate states. It's it's crazy. Yep. Yep. Well, what uh, yeah. what's the state of the band right now? I mean, you got the new EP coming out, but I mean, how active is Zeo? I mean, are you do you guys have to get together a lot, or is it something where it's like, okay, we're going to do this group of shows, this group of shows kind of deal? Right now, we're basically kind of doing that, where we do, hey, we're going to do like a weekend, four dates or so every month or two, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, right? I because mean, like <laughs> all of us have just normal day jobs um and three of us have kids now so mm-hmm. as you know <laughs> yeah you know like schedules pretty much are dependent on work and, and and the kids stuff so dan has the youngest of all of us well i guess james jeff's son's a little not he's pretty close to uh to their age but yeah like um dan has two little ones Jeff has a little guy, a little boy named James, and then I have a nine-year-old daughter. Okay, so I have the older. Yeah, I have the oldest of of everybody, but even with her, like you know, she's not. I still have to be home. She's still too young to do anything by herself. So yeah, um, so I have to be home. Me and my wife, you know, uh, take turns like driving her to school, picking her up when work like work schedules work out that way. So essentially like Zayo kind of has to work in a way we try to be kind of creative with finding as much time as we can, um, like writing, recording, and then trying to play as much. I mean, obviously we'd like, I don't know. I like, I, I think, and I, I'm sure if you talk to a lot of bands that are even bigger than us, like I think the, the whole mentality now is that, doing like the month, two month tours is kind of tough, right? Yeah. Not that it's not worth doing. Like I just, Zayo's got kind of a name enough that we're like really happy with how many people care. And it's not crazy by any stretch. It's, it's, but it's, it, it kind of feeds itself Mm -hmm. and 
we don't we don't lose money we break even sometimes uh, or we're okay we're like or we kind of make a profit so as long as it's in that vein like and we don't lose any money we're going to keep doing whatever we can but hopefully we might be able to do more maybe later in the future yeah okay that seems uh it seems yeah i i hear what you're saying there because i mean i'm talking to the thrice guys and stuff like they all have kids and they go out for like three weeks uh, at a time yep. and that's kind of their cap and yep. then i think they did like a huge tour with rise against and deftones for like a month and a half or yeah. something and uh they're like yeah, yeah. that was rough <laughs> but uh i saw i saw that and like even like a band like thrice you know when you're at that status you know that like those guys still make their living from their band i mean thrice yeah. is monster huge yeah so like with with us we we don't make enough money, even if we would be gone for a month. Like I don't make enough money that like it warrants me being gone that long. And my wife still has to work. Like it just doesn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I mean, I'm sure thrice, even if you talk to those, there's probably, there's probably sometimes when you're okay, sometimes when you're not okay, even at that status. But yeah. Yeah, I think they picked up some tech work during the hiatus, like teching for other bands like Weezer and Jimmy Eat World and stuff, and then everyone else. Yeah, I know Riley thing, was so. doing. Yep. Yeah, yep. but uh, yeah. so let's jump back here a little bit. I'm going to tell you the first time uh, that I, not the first time we met, but the first time that I came in contact with you was. <laughs> it's going to be totally creepy and weird, but so there's this club called the Meow Meow in Portland, and. You guys came I, through. I remember that. Okay. You guys came. It was the hottest day of the summer. It was insane. It had to be illegal to be in there. And it was you guys. <laughs> I think I do remember this. It was you guys, Coed and Cambria, Under Oath, I think. Back when Under Oath still had Dallas, I think. I'm pretty sure this is the lineup. And from Autumn to Ashes or something like that. And wasn't what. I remember doing a show in Portland. And it was, yeah, I, I'm almost 100% positive it was that same one. And it was. I swore it was Armor for Sleep was like the opener or something. Yeah. Or they were like, I think, Co okay, this is going to be the weird thing, right? So I remember that because Coheed, this was when they were like about to break up. Yeah, they and canceled. They like, they were, yeah, they were mad at each other and they, but they like were going out on this run and they jumped on like four or five Veo shows and we were super stoked to have them. Obviously not having any idea that they would turn into what they turned into, but, um, like anytime, dude, anytime we've ever headlined, like our whole thing is like, I want to meet and be friends with everybody. Like, yeah. so we never, I don't, I don't care how little your band is. I don't care about any of that stuff. We treat everybody exactly the same. We've always done it because we don't look at ourselves like we're anything anyway. So like we're the little guys a lot of the time. So we know exactly how it feels. So we try to treat everybody like we'd want to be treated. And Coheed was on the tour. We were pretty excited about it because we were all friends with the Equal Vision guys. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Armor for Sleep because I'm pretty sure that's when we played Portland. It was that club, and they were on it too somehow. Yeah, I remember, and and I remember walking up. The, we saw the sign on the door because me and my buddy, we hadn't started. We had we had started the band like Anatomy of a Ghost was going, but we weren't touring or signed okay. or anything yet. Like we were just playing in our our basement. And uh, starting to do stuff, and and we're like, holy shit, this is every band we love, like on one bill. 
and we get down there and and we're finally going to see coheed too like we've been trying to see coheed our roommates had seen him and we're like these guys are great you got to see him and all yeah, i remember yep. them saying is claudio they met claudio at one show and they got in some weird philosophical conversation where claudio said he pretty much could have written the bible like the Bible's bullshit, blah, 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 kind of thing. And then I was like, man, wait a <laughs> minute, they're playing awesome. with Zayo. Oh, shit, that's weird. And <laughs> I said, I wonder if they've had this conversation. And, and at that time, like, I had no idea where you guys were on on spirituality and whatnot. And, and that's one thing with Zayo that was uh-huh. cool is I never really cared. It was just all about the music. But when when I was walking up those stairs, there's like three flights of stairs to get up to this. Little, it's now a one apartment. That's how small this place is. It's now a single apartment. And uh, it's like a loft kind of thing. And I remember hearing this weird electronic sound, and it was that uh, The Sun Still Sleeps song by Under Oath. Because uh, they were yes. they were opening, or, or one of the opening bands, and we got there a little late, and the sign on the door said, Coheed is canceled, sorry. And we're like, dude, fuck, man. Like This is like the second yeah. time we missed it. <laughs> but we're like, dude, this is still going to be rad. And uh, But so it was so hot. I came downstairs. I watched a couple songs of Under Oath or whatever, and I was like, oh, they're okay. And then uh, came downstairs and was walking down. There's all this, like, fenced parking area around, kind of just random, like, shitty part of town. And I walked past you. And I was telling Dan this. You guys always stayed ambiguous enough to where I had seen pictures, but I didn't know who did what. And from pictures, it was hard to tell, too, like live pictures and things. And all I, okay. thought, all I thought to myself is, holy shit, that was the singer for Zayo. <laughs> and then you guys went on, and I was like, oh, fuck. Now I'm, I'm completely out of sorts because I, I literally thought – I thought Dan was Jesse Smith. And then, I like, I, in all the pictures, the way – I don't know if it was put wrong in a magazine or something, but – I swear, I thought Dan was was that's who Jesse Smith was because I always heard like he's like the one member who's still there and blah blah blah. But so yeah, I mm-hmm. totally thought you were the singer for Zayo, and I was like, I was totally blown away. I was like, holy shit! And then you guys went on, and it was like nothing I've ever seen. Like it was the presence you guys have is completely unique. I mean, just from 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 every angle. Like I was just watching it. Like what am I watching? Like it was so intense. But it wasn't like a typical show. Like I'd seen so many bands at that point, but you guys were completely mm-hmm. different. It was this completely different experience. Like Dan was on his knees half the time, just like, and he's probably just hot as hell. But like, just so much emotion and and just ferocity. It was awesome. And uh, at that point, I didn't even care how hot it was. Like I was having a blast. But uh, that was one of the only. I think I've seen you guys maybe three times, and that was that was the first time. And. Uh, that experience, I'll never forget it because, for one, getting getting everyone mixed up and how hot it was. And then, yeah, it was just this crazy bill and, and uh, Jeff from King Banana Presents was like, I don't know how I got this show. This is fucking crazy. And like, uh, you know, it was just all around a good time. But that's how we kind of met. <laughs> but, awesome. Uh, well, I 100% remember that place. And I remember, because like, there are a few shows in like the history of the band where it was hot as fuck. Yeah. And that was one of them. There was one we played in the basement, uh, the Nile Theater in Arizona, which no matter what, if you play in Arizona, it sucks. Yeah. But, like, the shows are awesome, but it's always ridiculous. Like, even if the air, the club's air conditioned, if you, once you go outside, you die. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, um, 
but we we played a, the basement of the Nile Theater for one show, and there was no air conditioning in there. And it was like it sh- that actually should be against the law because I think somebody probably had heat stroke for sure. Oh my it, God. It's just it's not even yeah, it's not even right. But but yeah, I'm I'm I pretty sure that I remember that Meow Meow show. I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, it's weird. That's yeah. awesome though, because like you, if you think about it though, that's not like far fetched. Because Jesse and Dan had the sort of the same like like '50s style thing for the like when I first joined. Yeah. So there was like they kind of did look a little similar, um, and I I think Dan kind of looked shorter in pictures than he actually is. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that when I see pictures of him, and I'm actually pretty short, dude. So, <laughs> but like I could see how. Like Dan, I could be mistaken for like because Dan does. He looks he's like five ten, but every picture I see him in, he always looks like like real short. It's weird. That is weird. It's usually I thought you'd be taller. Yeah, kind of thing when you meet somebody. Yeah. but yeah, no. Yeah. Dan's like taller than he looks. I am definitely. I don't know if I look taller or not in pictures, but I'm short as shit. So. <laughs> My God, dude, that's yeah, that's hilarious. We. And then I think we might have played Furnace Fest together, and I don't remember if that was the one we played or not. But I, I'm over in Alabama, but that place was yeah. Oh, I I love those things. Yeah, oh, I love those festivals. That did you guys ever that, go? And for people who are listening, like the Sloss Furnaces in Birmingham, Alabama, are one, supposed to be some of those haunted places in the world, and. We got yeah. down there and we were we slept in the parking lot that night. Like we we slept and we stayed overnight. We were oh, driving shit. from we drove from Birmingham, Alabama to Anchorage, Alaska in six and a half days to play the state fair with like Everclear and Grand Funk Railroad. And uh Oh my god. Nuts. But down at Furnace Fest, uh, we slept in the parking lot and we're just like, Oh my god, none of us slept. It was hot as fuck. I mean it's just another hot story, but um Yep, yep. Yeah, did you guys ever go and do what people said, like, if you go in the, the silos with a digital camera, which people still had then, and turn the flash off and just start snapping pictures, you'd see stuff? I never did that stuff, and I never, like, I still don't believe any of that shit. I, I will either. tell you one story about that that's fucked up, though. Like, we were on tour in Europe with Martyr AD, okay? Uh-huh. And, like I said, I I saw this with my own two eyes, I saw it. I don't know what it is. It was the dude. It was the creepiest, weirdest thing I ever saw. But Tara, their bass player, uh-huh. she was taking pictures of one of the um, like, not, I forget which. It was like one of the castles there or something. It was like it. It, it wasn't like because it, it's castles. Like we were in London, so it's like weird to say it wasn't like a castle, but it was like it was called something castle. I can't, I can't remember what it was. But she was taking pictures, dude. And there was a face and a claw, like, it looked like claws and a face looking at us in smoke. And oh no, none God. of us, like, none of us were smoking. Like, we don't, I, I don't smoke. I, none of those dudes, dudes did. I, I, like, I, they were, like, straight edge, and none of us really smoked. Well, me and Russ were with them. Neither of us smoked. It was, it was messed up. So I saw that, and that was weird. I still don't believe any of that crap, but it was weird. That is yeah, insane. we didn't do anything in... Yeah, I didn't do anything in Alabama, but I know exactly what you're ta- what you're talking about. The only thing I remember about Furnace Fest was that was the year that Dillinger played, and Greg threw 
the mic stand in the crowd. Um, do you remember that? Oh my god, no. Yeah, he threw, dude. So he okay. They played. He threw a mic stand that had a lead bottom. Remember those oh, mic yes, stands? Yes, I or do. Like the From big, like the school dude. school band. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the one. They had those mics there, and he threw that thing into the crowd. And I remember just like. People were like, because this was kind of after he did the head walk at Virgin Megastore and uh-huh. shit. So they, everybody was like, they're the, and they, they still are the craziest band I've ever played with or seen. But, yeah. um, but yeah, that dude, he, and he blew, that's when they were blowing fire and shit too. So it was craziness. And I think the year you're talking about, I wonder if it's the same year, because we played like, we headlined the day, but we headlined over sick of it all. And all of us were like super weird about it. Uh huh. Because <laughs> like, regardless of whatever, like Sick of It All is like legitimately legendary band. Like we were like, this is so fucking weird. We should be headlining over Sick of It All, but all right. Like when Bad Religion opened for Blink One Eighty Two. Oh god, that's, that's like so, yeah, it's such a the such year a travesty. <laughs> the year we played was uh, it was when Hum played. Hum reunited and played, uh, and like minus the Baird played for the first time, and then. Uh, Oh, uh, further scenes forever was there with with um, uh, what's his fucking his name? The other, the second, uh, Jason Gleason, and Gleason. Um, okay, yeah, and uh, hopes fall and on all those. It was a it was a big bill, um, and wow. I just remember it was insane. It, and uh, like Johnny Gorley went in to the silos with the guys from Vox and was taking pictures, and he dropped his camera, and uh, it went to the bottom oh. of the the silo, and then. Being just a complete, like, just, you know, uh, impulsive dude, he he went in the next morning and, like, dug around in there and found it. <laughs> like, went back in by did himself. He, he, oh, man, did he creepy. have anything on his, did he have any pictures? He did, but it wasn't, it wasn't showing up with much Nothing. of anything, but he, oh. he was big into, like, aliens and things like that back then, and, and, uh ghost stories and things which none of us were but we were mm-hmm. legitimately creeped out and and i didn't even go in there uh, but a couple of them did yeah, with the vox guys oh my god dude, isn't that funny too like i think about that shit like i like i i definitely don't think we're alone because it's just too there's just too much stuff going there's too it's too big to think we're like completely alone in the universe i don't think aliens come and visit us or anything like that but there's probably some sort of life form even if it's like like microbacterial life there's something out there right yeah but i'm i don't believe in ghosts or anything but dude it still creeps me out to go in weird places like that yeah and i don't understand like i don't believe in it i don't think it exists but like dude it's just you go in a like a silo and it's like dark there it just feels weird and you think people are looking at you and stuff yeah that's yeah and you think about the shit that happened in there people getting knocked in and like uh you know, yeah. before the oh, labor dude, laws and shit where just like kids working and whatever else. And I remember I had to use the bathroom so bad one morning and I was like searching for a place and there's no, nothing was like available. And I go behind that big weird where the main stage was. There's like these weird old bathrooms and they, no, I don't even think they worked. And so I, I probably destroyed that whole thing. But, uh, ironically, I'm a, I'm a commercial plumber now, but, uh, Oh my God. Nice. But I think I fucked that bathroom up, and I realized it doesn't work, <laughs> and it's probably been sitting there for years, never touched. And I just kept, I just walked wow. out. I just walked out. I was like, okay, what, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I mean, something, dude. There's nothing you can do. Like, 
I've that's that's like my nightmare. Yeah, because like I have to go to the bathroom and there's just nowhere to go, and like you can't even like use normal facilities. Like, oh, it just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what you have to do when you're on tour, man. You just gotta hope. Exactly. That's why, like, all these bands that like are always so like stoked about taking a bus out. Like, I get it. It's like the prestige of having a bus, but like I want to be able to stop when I have to take the shit. Exactly. And like, you don't get a hotel room then. So like, you have your you're on your bus all night. Like, if I have to take the shit, like what what are we like, dude? I, I I can't take it. Like, I'm so just even. We can't afford a bus, but I don't think I'd want one because I'd be I'd just be so stressed out about <laughs> possibly having to go to the bathroom. This is important <laughs> information. This is important information that people need to hear because people do not understand this about a bus. This beautiful tour bus that everyone wants to be on. You can't mm-hmm. shit in the bus, so you no, have to bag you it. you cannot. You throw a fucking plastic bag oh, on the toilet, you shit I in know. it, and you run it past everybody to try to get it to the front window and throw it out. It's oh God, ridiculous. It's so disgusting. It's ridiculous, yeah. but shitting on tour is, a, I mean, the stories could go on for days, but there's a time we had to stop. I had to shit so bad, and we stopped at a truck stop. It didn't have a bathroom. Once we got there, we realized this. I'm like running around trying to find a place. I run behind a dumpster and I'm completely focused, right? I have one objective and it's to not shit my pants. So I run behind this dumpster and I'm squatting down, leaning up against it. Luckily, the wheels are locked so I can lean against it and just start fucking exploding. And (laughs) I'm looking around and I'm like, God, it's bright out here for the middle of the night. And I look up and I'm fucking shitting Against a dumpster in front of a line of semi-trucks that are all shining their lights right at me. I was literally like movie lights on me while I just was fucking dumb and dumbering it right on it. It was fucking ridiculous. I had no idea, and I literally, I couldn't stop, so I was like, well, all right, here we go. And I just kind of looked up and then looked down and then ran back to the fucking van and and took off. Have you been through something like this? I'm sure you have. Well, I'm sure I, everyone has. I, I have. Yeah, I mean, I personally never had. Like, I lucked out. Every time I had any issues, we were able to get to somewhere like at the last second. So I never had like a horrible story. Dude, Russ, on the other hand, has maybe <laughs> one of the worst stories. Yes. Dan was driving their van. All right, and Russ was sick. Like he had like a hundred and four temperatures, just brutal. Yeah. Dan's driving, just jamming out. Him and Jesse in the front, not even paying attention. Right, a cop is behind them with his lights flashing for at least like three miles. Okay. Dan's driving. No care. Dude. He finally sees the cop and he's like, Oh my God, we've got to pull over. Right. Dude. Guns drawn. Get on his face. Do it. Like, cause he do. They, he was like taking them on a chase. Cause he didn't realize they were back there. And Dan and all of them had to explain to the cop. Like, Hey, our friend is like, he has a 104 temperature and he is not feeling good. We're just like trying to get to like a bathroom or whatever. And Russ got to the point where he just, like, he couldn't not shit. He was diarrhea. Like, he had everything. And he was sick as shit. So the cop's like, well, looks like you're going to be going in the woods, boy. So oh. paid him pretty much did. Russ had to go into the woods and take a diarrhea sick shit. At gunpoint. The problem with that, <laughs> the problem with that is he couldn't get far enough into the woods. He found a tree that was about a half of inch diameter and he stood right there while everybody's watching him and he kind of like just stood up and crapped because <laughs> he couldn't even like he couldn't hide himself yeah. or anything he ruined his he ruined his pants 
I think they had to throw all that stuff out. I don't know what he used to wipe his ass. Like, but he was, dude. It's the worst. It that story. We we'll, we'll like talk about it every once in a while because it's just the worst, man. Like, it's so brutal. It's so hilarious, and it's funny that it was Russ. But like, yeah. I mean, the cop didn't have any sympathy because he's like, "You, guys, I thought you guys were running." So like, I, I I'm like pissed off now. So yeah. I'm not gonna like let you go to a bathroom. So yeah, oh. he had to go in behind like a twig. That's amazing. Saw him. And it was like it was on like a, dude, it was on an interstate too. So everybody oh, like God. people driving by. <laughs> <laughs> dude, incredible! Oh my God, people have no idea what tour life is like. Nope. They have no idea. No, they get to that they, show and they see you on stage and like, hey, you got the life, man. You're making all this money. No, and blah, blah, blah. You don't live with your mom still and you don't, you're on a cover of a magazine. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, people knew. Yeah. People only knew. Exactly. God damn. Well, so you, so what was it like for you coming into, coming into Zayo? I mean, you're not a religious guy. Were you a religious guy? Or have you always been? I have never. I've always been like, well, when I first joined, so I came from like a pretty anti-religious band to yeah. go into, into Zayo. Yeah. But I was really, I was close friends with Dan and Russ. Um, and Jesse knew me because of my other band. Cause even though like, this was a time I don't, back then, like the Christianity stuff, like it wasn't so weird. Like bands just played with everybody and it really didn't get like too like weird about it. Now, the, the when Dan joined, they really did kind of take a different, like, stance. Like, they weren't talking about stuff as much on stage, so you couldn't really even tell really what they were. It was more like a personal thing that they would talk to you afterward. So I never felt, like, weird about it whatsoever. But I was never, like, I, like, I, back then I was more of a, like, eh, I don't know type of guy. Like, yeah. I if there is, if there could be something and what, and I didn't really worry about it at all. And, but the way they treated me and the way they accepted me, it kind of, you know, if, if there was a representation of what Christianity should be like, those dudes were it. Yeah. So I was never like weirded out by it. I, so, or, and they weren't weirded out by my, like, slight difference in opinion because as when i joined the band I, i've always been kind of a searcher so like i kind of gave it a shot mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so and i tried whatever like but but i yeah i'm not like i was never really super religious but i lately probably in the last like 10 years 15 years maybe is when i really started becoming like i am now but but yeah, back then it wasn't like I wasn't real strong or crazy about it. Yeah. And I mean, but coming into a band, I mean, they're giving you that fellowship and everything where I think that does it for a lot of people with religion is just the fellowship piece. A lot of people just want to belong to something with, you know, like-minded people or, or people that are, you know, just nice to them or, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a negative thing either. I just think a lot of times that fellowship keeps people, um, keeps people around longer than they would necessarily stay on their own. You know what I mean? Where, uh, yeah. you know, I go to church I on Sunday because right. I want to see so-and-so and so-and-so. It's less about the actual yep. religion piece. And that makes sense what you're yeah, saying there. So. Yeah, like it's definitely more of a, 
yeah, it's like a hangout session. And when you become, you get into that place, like you, you don't want to let people down. Yeah. So like, it, it's one of the hardest things. It's like a lot of your family members and your friends are kind of that way. And if you start to question a lot of people, there's a lot of agnostics and atheists in church. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. I believe it, man. <laughs> Cause they're, yeah, there's dudes that aren't going to like, they're not going to be rock the boat. They don't want to make anybody mad. And, they don't want to hurt people's feelings, so they're going to just go through the motions and do it. I, but I, I really do think there's a lot of people that probably half-heartedly believe in stuff. Actually, I think that's kind of American Christianity in a, in a whole. I think it is like this half-hearted, like, I like the idea of heaven, and I like this Jesus guy, so like I'm going to kind of believe this. Yeah. Because like, every, everybody I know, even like the fervent Christians I've met, like, most of them haven't really read their Bibles, <laughs> so it's kind of kind of weird. Like I'll ask, like, "Hey, you know," or if I like throw out, because I mean I'm somewhat knowledge in it. Because to me, like, in order to believe it, you probably should at least read some stuff. So yeah, I'll sure. throw out, you know, certain stuff, and some people don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm like, "Well, you believe it," Not, you know. So like, yeah. but yeah, I think you're right. I definitely think that you're right. Yeah, it, it's just uh, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, I went to youth group with oh. friends of mine in high school and and middle school. Actually, started in middle school. Went everyone. I come from a Mormon household, so I'm like my parents are still Mormons, and my brother's not, and oh, wow. myself, I'm not. I okay. I left the second I could, where it was like, hey, if you you do seminary before high school until your senior year, if you don't believe it, then don't go anymore. And this, literally, the second that summer hit, I was like, yep, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, it was just it's just crazy stuff. But um, yeah, I so I would go to youth group with friends that at like the non denominational Christian church. Cause that's where my friends hung out, okay. and that's where I found skateboarding. That's where I first tried weed. Mm-hmm. That's where I first tried yep. smoking. <laughs> all these things were all at a youth group in Wasilla, Alaska, and it's like, uh, it, but it was a fellowship thing. Like it's like, oh, I get to see my friends for another couple hours if I go here. And my parents are always like, why do you want to go to that youth group? You won't go to church, you know. Without and it's mm-hmm. like, well, my friends are here, so. It was yeah. kind of that yeah. kept me coming back, you know. And it, I, yeah, sitting through all that stuff, I'd yep. sit through an hour talk to have you know an hour and a half with my friends, you know. So, um, yeah. did I, you did you come from? You said you came from a, a fairly non-religious band. Did you have a religious upbringing? Yeah, my parents. Well, they we were basically they. I guess they would consider themselves Protestant. Um, we went to church up until I was about six or seven years old. And then we stopped going there. There was like a fallout with the, uh, what is not the, the, what do they even call the preacher or whatever? Pastor or it was like, maybe Pat. Yeah. I think back then it was, the, they just called him the preacher, but yeah, like I, there's a, there might be a different term for Protestant preachers mm-hmm. or whatever, but so they had a falling out. So we didn't go, but my, that my both my parents were pretty strong in their belief of God, like to the point where like my dad would watch Jack Van Ampy shows and scare me, you know, like oh my God. he would watch those shows where the, yeah, where the dudes were like, yeah, this is going to be Jesus is coming back and you better be ready for it. You know, like the Jack Van Ampy's, the Pat Robertson's, the guys uh-huh. that have been saying the same stuff for 30 years and nothing <laughs> ever happened. Yeah. Um, so like, dude, I remember being like 10 and watching that stuff and, like the way my dad talked about it, I didn't think, I thought by the age of 20, I'd probably, there'd be the rapture and it wouldn't, I wouldn't be here anyway. 
<laughs> oh so, I mean, dude, that stuff, it's, it was like, beating me and scared me to, to death. Um, so when I got to high school and met some other, some, I had some friends that were a little less <laughs> about that kind of thing. Like it opened my eyes to like, yeah, you don't have to be scared. There's probably nothing. So I kind of listened to that for a little bit, got involved with those guys. Um, and then I got to a point where like, I saw, like you said, the fellow, like the fellowship of my buddies, like hanging out at church, like Dan Russ guys, some of the guys from the Juliana theory all were hanging out at the same place. And I really, really enjoyed my company with them. Yeah. And I think what you, what you do, like you said, is you like, you kind of mistake the, I, the fact that you just want to hang out with these people with like, Oh, maybe they're into something cool. And it's not that at all. It's that you just want to hang out with those people. So I think that's how I kind of came into it a little bit where I was, wasn't so closed off to it, but I wasn't full in full in force. And it was just like, Hey, I like hanging out with these dudes. Yeah. So you grew up with this, these guys in high school then? Oh yeah. Like me and Russ have been friends. I met Russ my first year of high school. So I've been friends with Russ since ninth grade. Okay. Um, and then I knew Marty that plays bass with us now uh-huh. since, since probably about that same time, Dan, like all those guys were friends. Um, Jeff, which is funny because like Jeff looked at as the new guy, even though he's been in the band since 2005, but <laughs> yeah. he's the newest member of us. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, but I, I knew Jeff back then, like Jeff played in bands that we all liked around here. So everybody that's in the band now literally has been friends since high school. Like we've known each other. Wow. See that's awesome. Yep. That's the way to go, man. And it's weird. Yeah, that you, dude. What, so when they started, when Zayo was forming and everything, and and all that was happening, what what were you doing at that point in time that didn't have you join Zayo right in the beginning? Being friends well, with those guys, when, do you have other objectives and other things going on? Yeah, well, pretty much. Like, obviously, the very original incarnation of Zayo was West Virginia based. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Neither, like, none of those guys knew everybody. But when Russ, when Brett joined, and then Brett brought Dan with him, Dan brought Russ, and they, I was doing a band called Creations Crucifixion at that time. That was kind of like my focus. I just was in there, and there wasn't really like any. I had no really inclination to quit that to join anything else. There was nothing really talked about at all. Like Brett played guitar, Russ played guitar, so it was kind of pointless for me to be involved. Um, but like me and Russ were friends, and we always kind of because he had bands before Zayo that Dan was in that like liked our band and we liked their band and all that kind of stuff. So there was like always a friendship there. But I think because of Brett's original uh, bringing into the band, I had really nothing to do with it because I was closer to like Dan and Russ. So they brought, you know, they brought Dan and Russ. And and then when Brett started talking to Jesse about, Hey, I'm thinking about possibly leaving. I'm going to go do this Juliana theory thing. Russ and Dan were, you know, pretty strong and getting me involved. So, Mm -hmm. and I did, I, I left the band at that point. I left my other band because I was just, kind of done with doing that stuff and so those guys were like hey scott's not doing anything and we all kind of like i said had similar ways of playing and interest and like the same type of music and they liked the way i played so yeah 
kind of just worked out that way. Okay. And when, so I, I, I mentioned this to Dan briefly too, and, and, uh, we didn't go very far on it because I, I, I don't remember why we didn't, but Zayo always seemed to have, especially in the era where you were in it and, and uh, you know, or where you're still in it, of course, but but where you were involved, where everything kind of, it's changed. It was, it was on its way changing from being super focused on, you know, religion and everything else into like... Uh, there's always this kind of not I don't want to say a dark cloud, but there was this era like this mystique around the band for one, and then mm-hmm. oh well Zayo's coming if they don't break up again, you know, like kind of thing oh, when, when yeah. tours mm-hmm. would happen. How much of that was something you really saw and 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 were you know uh, aware of, and what was it like kind of going through that time where, I mean, take me through that. I mean, I know a lot of things like you know. Uh, you know, hey, we got tour coming up at, in this two weeks or whatever with no notice and like just yep, the, the yep. I'm going to back out, I'm going to stay, I'm going to back out, I'm going to stay kind of thing. Walk me through that a little bit because that's something that we saw as, as you know, listeners and, and fans of the band but never really had the kind of <clears throat> what was going on in the band at that time. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the, Jesse was a really strong personality. Yeah. Um, and... Back then, too, when you're young, man, you don't really, you don't really recognize warning signs of people's like either depression or whatever. So, I do think that a lot of what happened with Jesse and a lot of his uh, personality quirks and temper and all that kind of stuff was really just him being very like a, like a legitimate depressed guy that should have been on medication and should have been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's, I think that kind of now, you know, me and Jesse are pretty close again. We talk pretty regularly. And I think that being able to see it from like a, you know, 30s year old perspective, um, I think that's really what was going on. So, but with that being said, it still sucked at the time. Jesse was really hard to deal with. Um, and it was always up in the air. Like Zay was always one of those bands that like, felt like it was going to do something and then somehow some way it would get messed up. Mm-hmm. So I just think Dan and Russ got to the point in the, in, in the band where they weren't completely convinced it was going to even stay together. So they just started thinking, Hey man, I got to, this isn't going to work. We got to figure out something else. Cause number one music, the chance of you actually making a living in music is pretty slim regardless. Even if the band's like, somewhat like know it like some people know it um but i mean we felt like you could feel like something was going to happen but it just really kind of was always right there at the at, right at the tip but it never we never were able to get through it and i think that's when dan and russ decided they wanted to do something else so dan got into tattooing once dan got into tattooing it was really like hard to take him out of that job because he was apprenticing at the time so if he leaves for a long time it's going to mess up his whole thing and jesse was so sporadic and he never really knew what was going to happen so you can't really blame dan or russ for wanting to try to find something else to do because they didn't think it was going to be full on and i think jesse's and I hate to do this because I don't, I don't like putting all the blame on him because all of us have personality quirks and all of us were shitty to each other at some points. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
me, Dan, and I mean, me, Dan, and Russ have never been that way because we've been friends for so long. So we all like, and I'm, I try to be like really even keel and never get like weird. But I definitely lost my temper with Jesse a lot because I just there was so much that he would do that I would see him do to other people that would kind of make me upset. I would hold that all in until he would like do something little to me and then I would blow up on him from his little thing so that he gets mad and weirded out. He's like, I didn't even do anything to you. Why are you mad at me? So it was, it was a really like, dude, it was like, <laughs> I mean, obviously I don't want to liken it to this, but like, it felt like you were on edge all the time. So not nearly like what PTSD is for somebody, but really, dude, it felt like that. Like every time we were in the van, like you didn't know what he was going to say. You didn't know if it was going to be a cool day. You didn't know you get the shows. You didn't know if it was going to, that the show was going to be cool or if he was going to get upset or if he would do something that would make somebody else upset. And it was just a really weird dynamic in the band. Yeah. But like I said, now, you know, now seeing and looking back on it, I really think it was, Jesse was a depressed very depressed guy that had a lot of mental instability issues and we just took the brunt of all of it because we were with him the most. Yeah. So What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. 
Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peer pleasure, 
www.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And it just goes undiagnosed. And then, yeah, exactly. It's so prevalent now, too. And that's something I think is important to hear and to talk about, too, is is the mental mental illness. Because it's not something yeah. you can control. Yeah. It's not. No. You know, and that's nope. how things seem to be portrayed is, is Jesse was this, you know, this guy that just couldn't figure it out or, or you know, just maybe liked, liked the drama or whatever. But I don't think anyone's actually like that. I think there's some things going on. And I'm going to have no. him on the show, too, um, here in the oh, next awesome. little while uh, to talk about uh, Jesse and the Holy Ghost. But the the I'm interested to hear his take on it, too, because I, I'm sure as you guys have gotten closer now, you've talked about this and he's realized that there's something going on, you know, and, and uh, I mean, have you fallen victim to that as well? The mental illness, depression, like is that something that's affected you as well? Or have you kind of been the even keel guy? You seem really even keel kind of, uh, kind of the guy that holds things together. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think, I think all of us have a little bit of sadness in us at all times. Right. Cause I mean, there's things that happen in my life that has, like, I lost my dad pretty young. So that's, but a lot of my issues have always been situational depressions or like things would happen that would make me up, uh, upset. I have a temper, but other than like that, I don't really think I've dealt with kind of like any kind of any kind of diagnosable depression or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, like I, man, I just my whole personality is that I just want to be around people that I really, really enjoy because life is so short. You've got to take advantage of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I've always been able to, like, even in in Zayo, like. I am a really driven guy that's really loved playing music. Like, I just love doing it. I I did it when we broke up. I kept writing, like, I'm not going to stop doing it. And so I just, I really want to do whatever I have to do and whatever we have to do to make this work. Like, I've always just felt that way. So I was the guy that stuck by Jesse when everybody couldn't stand him anymore because I just wanted to do this so bad. Mm-hmm. And I dealt with a bunch of crap and we deal with a lot of people that think they was this and that, and we still deal with that, but, but I'm not going to stop doing it. because This is what I want to do. Same with like the way that things work now. Like, you know, I have, we have kids, we can't tour all the time, but I will do whatever it takes. If that means I can only play four shows every two months. And I know all the guys probably feel the same way as me. But I'll do whatever I can do to keep doing this thing because I when when we weren't doing this thing, I really saw a difference in myself. Like I I really do need to be able to do this <laughs> thing. Like I even if we don't get paid and like and like I said, we don't really get paid. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like even if we even if like we never make money and we just get to play, like I I kind of need this as my release valve like i think dan i'm sure dan talked to you about how this is his therapy like he writes lyrics and gets out everything inside of him and he doesn't have to pay a therapist because he's able to like release all that stuff that's like like every day there's always something man there's always something that's going to upset you or make you mad or life is kind of tough whatever it is and i just this outlet is so important to me 
I hear you, dude. I hear you. I, I, that's, I mean, that uh, that right there, I think, speaks a lot to your character, too, with, with recognizing. It seems like you can analyze yourself pretty well, and uh, a lot of people can't do that, and that's something that uh, I, I, I'm seeing, you know, with you is, is you're able to analyze yourself a bit and know where you stand and know what you need, and, uh, you know, being able to admit that, like, this has to keep happening, like, for me to survive, yeah. you know? And to be able to yeah, no, come to grips with that, I mean, and do whatever it takes. I mean, that's going to be what holds things together. And, and like Dan was saying, yeah, he said that this was his therapy, but he was also talking about, you know, how uh, he has nightmares almost every night, like these weird nightmares and like all this yeah. anxiety and stuff. And, and to not yep. have to not have to suffer with that kind of stuff, you know, you think would be nice, but everything kind of equals out. There's always a balance. So like, if you don't suffer from that, you kind of have other things that you could deal with, you know? And, and, uh, yep, yep. I mean, it just seems like, yeah, it seems like everyone kind of has a purpose. Like there's different kinds of people. There's people that are protectors and people that are, you know, it's, it sounds like an M night Shyamalan movie or something like a riddle, but you know, <laughs> people that, you know, the people that hold things together, the nurturers and the, the, the you know, the protectors, and then you have like the, the warriors and stuff and, you know, people that just can't control, you know, like you said, you have a temper and everything like, but you keep that under control, I'm sure. And, and, and after becoming a father, I mean, did you see a change in yourself when you became a father, as far as when you're analyzing yourself and like how I need to be and, and what I need to change? Or did you, was that something that just kind of happened naturally and you kind of just eased into it or, or maybe you're exactly the same? I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if I've been able to change. Like, I definitely feel that there was, there was a time when we first had my daughter, Sydney, that, like, yeah, I mean, as, like, as any parent would say, like, life now is not your life anymore. Like, your life is, your purpose is with this child and to make sure that this child's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But, um... But I like, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I still like. I still struggle with stuff. I. I'm sure my daughter's seen me get upset about things that are kind of dumb to be upset about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what people should do. I, I mean, I've heard people say this all the time. But like for me, you just got to recognize and realize. Like every like you're gonna have faults, and you can't just you can't beat yourself up about certain things about yourself mm-hmm. you have to be who you are recognize who you are um but if you do I mean, obviously if i'm like an idiot i i probably should get help for that but <laughs> but I, yeah like for me like having having a kid definitely made me a little bit more understanding a little bit more patient like empathy is like a huge thing for me like just in all walks of life like you just kind of said it earlier you know if you can put yourself in the perspective of somebody else recognize like your problems are are just as bad as your problems are to you but like even though that guy's problems might not seem bad because yours might be worse you don't know what that guy's problems are so everybody has like a different way to deal with their problems so even the guy that doesn't seem to have a lot of problems might have something going on that you don't even know about Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean dude i I think having having a child, empathy has been the one thing that's really changed me. Like, I can really put myself in other people's shoes. Like, even I remember, I see it, too. Like, I see some of my friends when we're, like, at restaurants mm-hmm. where they'll get, like, super freaked out or mad because a baby's crying. And, like, 
baby cries don't bother me. And I see that parent, and I'm like, man, I feel bad for you. I know, I know what it's like. <laughs> you know, you just want to enjoy your so, meal too. You know, like, yeah, like I don't, I, I totally, I just can put myself. I really easily can put myself in other people's shoes. I think that's what's so weird about being in a band that has any kind of notoriety at all. You know, like I, I mean, I don't. We're super humble about what we do. Like, I don't think Leo's anything. I really like came from nothing, and it's. I think people, if they would just be persistent, they're going to be able to do something, right? So, um, but like for me, like I always like when anybody comes up to talk to me, I don't look at them as like somebody that's coming to talk to me. I just look at them as another person to hang out with. So, like, I am. I can put myself in other people's shoes really easily because I know what it's like when I go to see bands and how that band treats me, like, totally my whole idea of what that band's like will hinge on the way that I'm treated. So, I don't know, man. I'm just really cognizant of that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. So maybe that helps me helps me kind of be, stay even and, and do what I do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely I think it's definitely a gift to be able to to do that and and be able to have that much of a grasp on things. I mean, I mean imagine not having a grasp on things and wonder why everyone's, you know, coming down on you or or you know, everyone's giving you shit for this and that and something you can't control or or have no idea yeah. that's even, you know, it's just it's it's rampant nowadays it seems like with uh Oh yeah. I mean Mental illness, for one, I mean, huge deal right now for everybody. But I mean, and like you were saying earlier, those people that seem like they don't have any problems are probably something with the worst problems. They just don't show it, you know. And those are the well, people the you thing. end up seeing like, or, that kill themselves, or you know. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah, people that talk about suicide are usually the ones that aren't going to do it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So yeah, I totally, totally agree. And it's, it's, I mean, and people like us that have played and, you know, and you especially playing in heavy bands for so long, you know, with such an aggressive form of music are so intimately linked to everyone that, that gravitates to that music as far as people that are depressed mm -hmm. or angry in their own life. I mean, you almost by default become an outlet for so many people. And it's it's almost mm. like you can feel it in the room when you're playing. Like you're emoting all this energy and frustration and anger or whatever's on your mind at the time, but all that's getting thrown back at you from all these people that are letting it out themselves to what you're doing. It's like this weird – it just reminds me, like if you're walking through the woods, sometimes you'll see these conglomerations of bugs that are super small and they're just swarming around each other, and I'm pretty sure they're mating when they do that, but – it's okay. just like this swarm to, to throw it out of context, but it's just this swarm, and it's like this this big group that just becomes this one ball of energy, and it's it's something I would feel too on stage where I'm completely like just gone, completely all of I've just thrown all of myself out there to where I can hardly breathe, and but I'm energized mm -hmm. by everything coming back at me, and it it's almost like by default. I really feel that way, like with with heavy music. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone out there that's just listening to this, like, yeah, this is just a badass riff. I think they they start out that way, and they're like, oh man, oh, yes, okay, and then they get into it, and it starts to pull that out or push that out of them. And I think you probably mm -hmm. saved quite a bit of lives, you know, and it, just by default, <laughs> by well, default, you tour for more I, than a year. I think you saved a life. I we've had people talk to us about that stuff, and that that is really. 
really know what to do. But I, yeah, I think you're right, man. There's like, and I think that's why, because like all of us, like I really, I love playing heavy music. I, I, and I still enjoy like listening to heavy stuff, but I mean, I, I usually don't listen to this kind of music. Like this, this isn't my first like listen when I put a CD in or, or sorry, when I listen to something on like iTunes or whatever. Yeah. So, or record, because I'm like a big record guy. But there's something about the energy that you get playing this stuff that I can't not have. Yeah. And it's it really is because, like I said, like all of us in, our, in Zao, like every one of the members in the band now have come from very humble things. Like we all lived in a pretty depressed area in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. This is a place you don't live if you want to like like make it in anything, you know, there's nothing here. Um, even now, like, you know, and, but it, it also kind of reflects in how it's like, it's not that expensive to live here because there's really nothing here. Like Pittsburgh is pretty cool. There's a lot of things coming into the city, but where we live, it's very a depressed area. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of horrible drug epidemic in, in where we are now because there's just so little to do and so many people out of work and it's just a, it's horrible. So we like, we have everything, like all that environment kind of just soaks into us. It's very similar. And I'm not, I don't mean this in any way that we're the same at all, but like the same reason why Black Sabbath was able to do what they did is because they came from like Birmingham and it was just freaking blue collar, hard life metal workers. Mm -hmm. You know, that was what that city was. And that's, dude, it's so that's why their music sounded the way it did. Because yeah. all, all those dudes, all those dudes were just like, this is their one way maybe to get out of that life. I mean, I'm sure they didn't even think Black Sabbath was going to turn into what it did turn into. But but that in, that environment and that stuff, like you just realize, I mean, look, how, look at what they did. They changed music forever as a band because they were able to like somehow get that all that feeling and that that just that shitty horrible living condition mm-hmm. and people identify with that and they were able to like harness that energy and turn it into this exactly. so all of us like to play any heavy music like all of us come from it you know exactly exactly that that whole and that i mean that music was so basic but it was that was what it was like it was just so primal you know and and uh it got i don't think they they tried to get out of that life necessarily as a career but it got them out of that life for an hour and a half at band practice you know what i mean it was like an escape that ended up lasting a lifetime once it hit you know and now they're still there you know and and they probably of course they still have problems you know tony Tony omi has cancer and ozzy has his issues but you know that kind of thing, and, and to think that all that heavy, and maybe it would have been discovered at another time, but the whole like down-tuned heavy guitars happened from a fucking accident. I know an accident on a saw or yeah. whatever, cutting the tips of your fingers off, and it hurt too bad, or or felt weird. So let's tune them down. Music has changed forever. It's that futile. I know. Like if he didn't wake up that morning and he slept in or whatever, we may have never played in bands. What do you think about too? Like all these people, like these industry people, and all these like big bands that kind of get into this type of thing. 
for the wrong reasons, right? They don't recognize that what really changes things are completely innocent bullshit accidents. Yep. So like when you're trying to do something, when you're like a when when one band hits, like, you know, say like a Nirvana hits, right? Mm-hmm. All these industry people are looking for that same shit. But the reason Nirvana hit was because it was a legitimate, honest fucking thing. And you're not, you, there's no way that you can make up honesty. You're just not going to be able to fake honesty. Yep. Now, some bands, like I think bands that deserve to be huge, like bands like Converge, they're, they're big, but like Converge and like the Melvins, all these bands, like, dude, they're just you're not going to be a band like that because they're like honestly that band. So don't try to emulate it. Yeah. Just be honest. Just be yourself. Be honest to yourself. That's how you do something. And then it's luck. So <laughs> so if you, you just get lucky and people identify with you. But like, that's how we do it. Like I don't, we don't try to do anything. And I mean, obviously it shows because we're kind of like a cult smaller band, but we don't give a shit. Like I, I'm not going to do anything or try anything that I just am not honestly wanting to do. So, and that could mean like, dude, whatever. If I honestly want to be play a Katy Perry song, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I won't feel weird about it. Sure. I'll be honestly playing it. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I think people just got to just be honest with yourself and just do it. Be persistent. Yeah. And if, if it works, cool. But if you love doing it, just give it a shit then. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a it's a testament to our society, and to, uh, to us as a species, is that honesty stands out, uh, be, uh, yeah. because there is so little of it. You know, the fact yeah. that maybe yeah. maybe there were you know fifty other bands just as honest, but never got noticed because you know uh, there's just a onslaught of just fake garbage everywhere it's just nuts i mean from clothes to hair to music to movies to everything anything anyone can make an expression with can be faked and can be doctored up and you know auto-tuned and everything else to where you and and we're still smart enough that's the thing as a as a whole we're still smart enough to notice when something's bullshit eventually we just choose to not look at it that way and be like oh well it's got a good beat you know yeah yeah there's a lot of that shit and yeah. it sucks like i just what last week that dipshit cash me outside bitch, oh my god whatever. <laughs> like and i don't mean sorry i don't want to say bitch whatever because she's like 14 and it's yeah. holy shit she that sucks, she whatever but that she's obviously been used by her mother and turned into this thing that she might not even be real probably yeah. isn't yeah so why do you why as a society are we like yeah let's let's reward this shit horrible behavior let's give this kid a, a deal she's too young to even recognize what she's doing that's yeah. not good whatsoever and the only way it can be good is if you buy one of the most expensive producers to come in and put shit beats all over it yeah i mean i dude oh i just don't understand it. it's don't because understand we like it. to we like to see people fail 
We love it. Well, that's it too. We the, love the, it. So we build crash. them up, and then yeah. when they fail, we shit in their mouth. Like we will do yep. whatever we can on the <laughs> yeah. way down. We will literally just piss in their ear all the way down the cliff, you know, and just oh, you're you, you know, this is your fault and blah, blah blah. We built you up. We gave you our money. We did what we needed to do to put you up there and build you up, and then we will just pull the rug out, you know. And we love it. And we love it. We love it with like these oh. epic freakouts and blah blah blah. Like we've never had one, you know. And but that's what's like, because and there's so many legitimate like. Because I remember when like when I first heard of Lady Gaga, I was like, this is so stupid. I mm-hmm. I just hate this. And then like I, she did a record with Tony Bennett, and she's ridiculously good. Yeah. And then you start to realize like all that stuff that like she was doing to kind of sell records was completely dumb. She's unbelievably talented, a great singer, but she had to resort to this dumb stuff to get people to pay attention. Like, yeah. why can't she just be an awesome singer? Why does it have to be stupid? Exactly. But, and look, like, then you have, like, people like Adele that comes out that she actually noticed for her voice. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, I don't know where things are going to end up. I feel like I'm in idiocracy sometimes, just you know, going through yeah, life. We are, but, dude. Oh my god! And just the 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 premonitions of everything to come and and all that is just outrageous. Sometimes it's staggering to think about sometimes, you know. And and uh, I mean, I had uh, I had Jess Margera on yesterday morning, and um, we were from CKY. We were talking about coming up through that family and and uh, just how fucking insane. Like he didn't know if he was going to wake up to elephants in the yard or whatever else. And it was just nonstop. But then he went a different route and, you know, playing music, keeping his head down. And now he doesn't have Mm -hmm. to deal with the kind of things that his brother does where he can't go outside of a store without cars pulling over. And I, I told him the story of how I met, I met Bam once in, in LA and that's exactly what happened. I met him in a store, just him talked for a minute. He walked outside. Cars were stopping on sunset. Like, stopping and people getting out and chasing after you and all this it just looked miserable and he was talking about uh with music how to stay relevant and it was basically don't try to be a trend don't focus on trends write what you like and be timeless i mean yeah it seems so simple you know because i mean they're they're touring with metallica and guns and roses and then they're touring on warp tour and then they're doing you know whatever just because no one knows where to put them and that's the way they've yep. always been, and it's just this like it's the same thing we're talking about. Like, just you, you stay away from the trends and be genuine, and you're gonna go somewhere. Whether it, how far that is, who knows? But wherever you get to, I think you're gonna be happy with it because you did it honestly. You know, you yeah. could be playing I mean, bars that's... and whatever forever, and and or you could be on huge tours with Guns N' Roses, but you're still honestly going out there writing songs you wrote with a pure heart, and people are loving it or hating it. You know. Yeah. And the most important thing about it is you like it, so who cares? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like if if you do it honestly, you're gonna you're gonna like playing. I like guess even with us, like I I know people like to hear like older Zayo songs and stuff. And there's a lot of songs that like some of us had like had, didn't have any part in writing or anything. That I, I mean, I still enjoyed playing anything, but man, going out there and playing the new record, like I just. I don't, I feel like I'm like in high school and we're doing practice again, you know, like, like I just love, I love all the stuff we're writing now. I love everything we do. And that's like kind of cool. Like me and Jeff talk about this a lot. Like we don't, 
we don't write B sides anymore. We just like every song we write, if we don't like it in the first like couple minutes, like it gets scrapped. We're not going to even waste time recording it. We have to like it. Yeah. We want to be able to, any song we record, we want to be able to have, like if we want to play it, we can play it. So, um, yeah, it's just been so, like, I feel like as a band, we just had this weird rebirth where like everybody's excited. Dan's writing some of the coolest lyrics he's writing in a long time. He's Mm -hmm. vicious sounding. You know, all of us are just like kind of this machine. And yeah, it might, it, we play like three or four shows here and there, but like to us, like we feel very active because I mean, with, with doing the record, we ended up deciding just doing our own label to put it on all ourselves and do everything on our own. Yeah. So me, like me and Jeff pretty much talk on a daily basis with not maybe a day will go by where we don't talk about label stuff which the label really only is like just for the Zaya records. We're not like putting, we don't have the capital to do anything with bands, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we're, ta- you know, it's just so much fun, man. Cause like our hands are in everything. So like Jeff's the guy that's talking to all the different magazines to get or websites or wherever to talk about getting, um, press. So he's doing like all the PR stuff and, you know, we just had a song premiere from the EP off of Decibel on Monday. Yeah, like, I saw that. All of that stuff. Is, yeah, like everything we do is because we, we just always kept good relationships with everybody we met, no matter who it was. Like, dude, we had on for the full length, we had uh, a full stream of our record on NPR. That's insane. It's so it is so hard to get NPR. I've talked to legitimate publicists that worked with, like, major acts, and they were, like, that we were friends with from before, and they were just like, how the fuck did you guys do the NPR? And honestly, it had nothing to do with us. One of the guys that works there, one of the, I don't know what you call him, his name's Lars, awesome dude, he was a fan, and we gave him, like, when he was doing, like, a little college radio thing, or he was doing his, like, own little thing, we did an interview with them and we were just cool. So, so he stayed a fan of us and now he's working for NPR and he was able to get a live stream of our whole record for that. So that's what I mean, dude. Like the one thing people need to recognize is it doesn't matter how big or small the band is. Do not shit on people because those little guys in 10 years might be the guys that'll save your career. So yeah, I don't know, man. That's just gotta be, Gotta be cool. That's like, that's our biggest thing. <laughs> We're just nice and cool to everybody. That's the ultimate. I mean, that when when we first started touring with Anatomy, like before we left on tour, the guy who did our album art, he's been in a bunch of bands. His name's Aaron Edge. He, uh, uh, a good buddy of ours. Uh, bands like Harkonnen and Himza and all that stuff. Um, very tons of bands. Mm. Anyway, he uh, he did our album artwork, and we're sitting there going over the 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 layout for the record, and we're gearing up for tour and everything. And we knew he'd been around at that point, you know, quite a bit and been through a lot of stuff. And I just asked him one afternoon. I was like, "Dude, what is the one piece of advice you can give me before I start this adventure?" Because like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've always wanted to do this since I was 13 years old, and we're doing it. What do I do? And he said, just mm-hmm. be kind to everyone you meet. From the waitress That's to it. the janitor, he said, I can't tell you how many free meals I've had because I was nice to the waitress and let her know what we were doing. We were on tour or whatever, and I get the check, and, you know, my meal is is comped. Or 
um, I come back through town and maybe uh, I left my wallet somewhere, didn't have enough for this, and, and they'll cover it. Or, um, you know, someone down the line comes in at the, you know, right at the right time, like that you were nice to and is now, you know, uh, do it like you said, working for NPR. You know, he's like, you don't know how many yeah. times that's happened to me. And, you know, it, it just when it counts, it can change your life. You know, and I've yeah. always done it that way. And that's, you know, when this yep. show started, people that I'd met maybe one time, I'd hit them up and they'd be like, sure, I'll do your show, you know? And it's like, holy shit, mm-hmm. you're in the biggest band in the world now, you know? And But it's because, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Dewey was, Dewey was uh, you know, nice or, or, you know, or, or you know, Dewey ran and got us ice for the bus when we were on tour or whatever because the, the club wouldn't do it, you know, like. Just little shit like that, people just don't realize can change everything. You know. Oh, it totally can. And honestly, too, like, well, it's not like we. I'm not nice to people because I think like down the road they're gonna do something for me. Sure. Just be nice to people. Yeah. Like, because even like you were saying, like the dude getting a, like a meal or like having a conversation, a, a very meaningful conversation with somebody, can change your night. Yeah. So, I don't know why people like, especially in the how we are right now in this country like dude just be cool why can't we just be cool yeah i don't get it we're all here together we're all here together it's it's just crazy crazy and i i mean this conversation we're having right now i'll probably remember this forever you know like and I, it's so it sounds cheesy to say that but this kind of conversation is not a text message it's not it's real. It's two guys talking. Yep. Other people are listening, of course, and hopefully they're enjoying it. But whether they do or not, I'm enjoying myself. I hope you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> but but when I went back, I was going to say it's like 100 episodes in. I'm thinking of maybe doing like a best of kind of thing. And when I sat okay. down, I could remember my favorite parts of every single ep- – we're over 50 episodes in now. I can remember my favorite parts of every one. And where they are, because I remember those conversations, and I didn't think I'd be able to do that. But wow, they—I mean, these kind of things are so important to me. You know, I, I just—it's invaluable to me. Like the things we've talked about tonight. Like, I mean, I've got some amazing insight from you, and I've had a blast. And we've talked about like you know hilarious shit, and then some deeper stuff. You know, like, but it's yeah. real. It's real, and I'm learning. It's, it's well, that's what's great about podcasts. Yeah, like, I think the one thing that I see, the, my favorite podcasts are the ones where people are just literally having a fun conversation. I don't like, like, there's too many now that are happening where, like, podcasts are becoming a thing. So, like, you got to do this in this podcast. You got to put, oh, let's stop and do, hold on, hold on, we got to do a, an ad here because then we got to do, like, dude, yep. podcasts, what, what drew me to them in, originally, and I love them, but what drew me to them were just like Joe Rogan talking about crazy shit with his friends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's so exactly like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And he did it first and he did it right. You know, and Mark Marin, the same thing. Mark Marin has guys oh, on yeah. that aren't promoting anything on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he just does it. He just has fun. He's talking to people. And, and from that, he was able to talk to legendary. I mean, dude, look at like, Look at some of the people you've talked to already. Like I, I, because I listen to your podcast. I mean, the Buzz Osborne one was sick. Um, you, dude, you're talking to people like that you probably wouldn't necessarily talk to unless you had this thing, and you get the opportunity to have like real conversation with people that you actually look up to. Like that's just 
it's amazing to me. Like the same thing for us. Like there's every once in a while we'll find out like there's somebody that like has, like he knows who we are that mm-hmm. like I look up to like crazy. You know, like we some dude just text or Facebook messaged us that he was hanging out with a touring guitar player for George Clinton and P. Funkadelic. <laughs> and the dude's like in the metal and he knows who we are. Yes. I was like, seriously? <laughs> and then somebody told us that like they had a, a conversation with HR from Bad Brains and Bad Brains, that dude even knew who we are. It blows my mind. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he likes it. I don't care if he likes it. The fact that he even knew yeah, who we are is all you I are. about. You're on his radar. That's it. Yeah, that's so, yeah. just it. You need to start a podcast. Crazy, dude. I do. We we wanted to do a Zayo one for like two years. It's killing me because like I actually have Pro Tools and I have like a really I have an SM7B. Like I have a nice setup that I could do one. Um, yeah, I've thought about it for so long, and I have a bunch of friends that do them. Like I'm pretty. I'm really close with Travis from As the Story Grows. He does his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been having some pretty cool uh, guests on we do the same thing like i kind of do a little bit with him where i try to like anybody that i have i have a, any kind of friendship with i'll make sure to shoot them over to him same with you dude i'd love to anybody i know that i can help you with i would definitely love to hopefully i can hook the other with the thing you were talking about up here sometime yeah that'd be rad <laughs> but, but yeah like i have like and um our zayo's old manager ryan downey he's doing some podcasts now yeah that are pretty he cool. is so i think yeah, uh, him and yeah. maury are buddies i think maury's brought him up to me a couple times does he do the the few scans and stuff like that like that's his thing yeah he does that okay um, yeah he's he's awesome yep yeah he does he has like a cool metallica one he has one he's actually a religious guy okay but in a way like see that like I think there's a whole new breed of Christianity that really isn't Christianity. It's more or less like we believe in Jesus, but we just love everybody. And I think that's more where, where Downey is. He's more just like, I love, I'm open, I'm a pretty liberal guy, like I'm not a Christian conservative guy. But um, but he does a kind of a religious podcast where he talks to people that aren't religious and are religious. It's really cool. Um, same like the bad Christian one. I mean, I was on there a couple of times. I love those guys. Like, yeah, it's just... There's so many good, cool podcasts, and I think just as bands, if they're doing them honestly, the more the merrier. I love them. I'll listen sure. to everybody if it's if it's cool. Sure, absolutely. It's and and everyone's so. on the same playing field. It's so cool. It's unregulated. It's like this little like rebirth of punk rock where it's just like do it, do what you want, you know, and and say what you want. Yeah. You know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna shit on you. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I think Jay oh. Moore is the guy that said it's uh, appointment listening. So they're gonna listen to the podcast because something interested them about it, not because it's playing on their radio. You know, they go yeah. to you. So pretty much, yeah, it's kind of skewed because you get a lot of good comments because someone seeked out something you were doing and was into it already before they even listened to it. But it, it connects people together, you know, and it, it gives a glimpse into something maybe you didn't know about someone that you thought you did, you know? Like, yeah. Well, dude, that's like, I purposely did. I went on a couple podcasts because I want people to realize like Zayo isn't, especially with what we see now in, in American Christianity, we're not a Christian band. Like yeah. I am an atheist. Dan is kind of a like open-minded spiritualist, like Buddhist guy. Like none of us other than Marty is a Christian. And guess what? I love him. I love it. I love that all of us in the band are totally different. And we're not one specific thing. 
And a lot of people, I think, think Zao is this, like, weird Christian thing. I mean, it was at one time, but, dude, when Dan joined, everything changed. And we've been the same band since <laughs> then, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. But so I went on a couple different ones when we started doing this just to, like, hey, number one, like, none of us, even when I, like, had, when it was a little bit more on the side of, like, not really knowing, I definitely don't identify with what Christianity is and what we see it is now. I never, ever did. And now, um, I obviously don't, but I wanted people to realize, like, we're not that way, but dude, I love it, too, when people, like, send us Instagram messages or whatever, or Christians to listen to us. You can, that's, dude, like, we're not like an anti-Christian band. We're just not a Christian band. Right? So like, I want everybody to get whatever you want out of it. Like, Dan's talking about real stuff. Do you believe in God or not? Guess what? Those things happen to you, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. That honesty is is paramount, dude. And that's... Uh, yep. That's why I respect you guys so much and have been a fan for so long is just because the music is great and it's vicious and it's it it you feel something when you listen to it it doesn't and it's unique that's the other thing it's not it's not cookie cutter i mean it's inspired so many bands and i was talking to dan about even his voice alone has inspired so many mm-hmm. vocalists and you know he shied it away but at the same time dude fucking serious it i i know personally vocalists that say you are the number one reason i am a a vocalist in a band specific like, i know it's, it's crazy yeah no but I mean, Dan, like Dan also, no, and Dan, I mean, really, Dan was inspired by like, uh, is it, is it, I think Bill Steer's the singer of Carcass, right? Is it Bill Steer? I mean, he's a guitar player. I can't, uh, my, dude, my mind sucks, but I mean, we definitely have influences from Carcass, as everybody noticed. Yep. There are people that did stuff that we did, but the way you do that is like, like, you know, I mean, man, everybody's influenced by something, but yeah. Once you you kind of take those influences, and we had influences from all different areas, so we like you make them your own, and then it's something you weirdly bring up and start this thing that's kind of like your own thing. It mm-hmm. just as long as you're honest with it, who cares? Yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. That's the number one. That's the number one thing I think the takeaway is 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 that honesty is you know paramount, hundred percent, like mm-hmm. in anything you do, and and I mean you. Once you're there, I mean, you have nothing to worry about because you put if you've put it out there, you genuine, you know, yeah. you go back to listen to the records. They, you know, I was I was true when I did this. Like, even if you cringe at some of the stuff, like I actually felt that at the time, like that was real, you know. And and yep. Uh, yep. I mean, yeah, it's just a fantastic, I think, a fantastic message for this this podcast because we talk about it a lot with a lot of people is the honesty piece, but. You know, it's it's just it, that just shows it means so much to so many people. You know, and and uh, yep. man, well, Scott, dude, I I want the the EP comes out uh, first week in November, right? Yeah, November third is the release. November third, okay. I want to make sure to get yep. that in there because these these episodes, you and Dan are going to come out the the week and the two weeks before and the week before, um, awesome. leading up to this, so we can get awesome. a, a Zayo feel going on and and. Uh, get the word out for that and dude i am so grateful that you came on the show and i know it's been a long time but i've been so excited for this one like i i have it's been on my mind at least every day like thinking about you know where to go with it and and uh you know you and i've been texting back and forth and and getting hyped Mm -hmm. and and, dude it did not 
disappoint whatsoever, as I knew it wouldn't. But awesome, uh, dude. I really well, no. appreciate it, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I yeah, just, I well, I, <laughs> I did a few guess. I suck. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was... Well, no, like, it's so weird to me to, like, have people, because genuinely, every podcast I've ever been on, I never feel like I deserve to be on them. So, like, like literally, we're so, so just grateful that people care at all. The fact that you wanted us to have on, have me and Dan on is just, it, it's huge to us, too. Because, like I said, man, I've listened to your show, so, like, I've seen the caliber of some of your guests. You know, me and, like, I know Dan and I both, but we don't put ourselves in some of those those places. So, thank you for having me on. <laughs> well, you should put yourself <laughs> in those places, but I, I understand where you're coming from. And, and uh, dude, I seriously had such a good time. And, and we'll have to have you guys back on again, and, and you and I will be in touch, I'm sure. But, um, you oh, know, yeah, down dude. the road, we start repeating some guests. I mean, you guys are on the top of the list. And, uh you know, awesome. it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And, and best of luck to you, uh, with the EP and, and, uh, we're going to promote the hell out of it over here and on our end too. And, and, uh, like I say, man, really well, make sure a, did, you didn't, did, did you order one? Cause if you don't order it, I'll, I'll make sure to get you one out here. Okay. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, so. uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. And, and, uh, I think everyone's really going to dig this, dig this EP. I mean, it's just, I was telling Dan, it's just very, open and airy but but we'll just punch mm-hmm. you in the face it's awesome oh dude it's i can't Ayo, man you have it's Ayo. you have no idea like we already just going to be going in to do drums for the next record already in like the end of october so oh my god we already have stuff ready yeah we have we have like a lot of material written for the next phase two and some of this next stuff is just it's it's like sadder than some of the sad stuff and way more violent than some of the heavier violent stuff. Keep me in the loop on this. When you demo, shoot them over and, and uh, we'll be in touch like usual. And, and uh, like I was telling cool. Dan, I mean, I feel like I make a friend on this podcast every time I do an interview. It just feels so much more genuine, yeah. you know, and, and uh, I'm just grateful, you know, that you reached out to me on Instagram originally and, and uh, we've been able to kind of go from there and, and uh, I appreciate it, dude. Oh, no. I, we do, too. Thank you so much. All right, Scott. Well, have a great night, man. All right, dude. I'm going to get to class, and you do your thing, and we'll we'll reconvene. <laughs> I like it. All right, Thanks brother. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. You, too. Bye-bye.
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Scott from Zayo. It was a blast. It was a long time coming. I am so stoked to have him on the show. So stoked you guys got to hear that interview. Uh, we just had a good time. And uh, that EP is coming out first week in November. Stay tuned next week. We have Daniel, the vocalist for Zayo, coming on to chat as well. So two weeks of Zayo continues next week with Daniel. And definitely tell a friend about this podcast. Tell a friend about the new Zayo EP. And definitely pick that up. Go over to Holy Mountain Printing. There is some awesome bundle packages with the vinyl, uh, merch, shirts, all that business. It is absolutely going to blow your mind. It, I mean, the artwork's awesome. The music is incredible. And, uh, you know, it's everything you come to expect from Zayo. You know, a long career uh, with a lot of really innovative and great tunes. So thanks again to Scott and the whole Zayo camp and Daniel uh, for coming on the show. Uh, and I'll say it one more time next week is Daniel from Zayo, and then that EP comes out. So we are going to have some music uh, on both shows. You would have heard it already on this one, but Dan's is going to have another song as well from that new EP. So definitely check them out. Check them out on Facebook, all their socials. Check out us on purepleasurepodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter. Hit up the Patreon at patreon.com slash purepleasurepodcast. Sign up. Get to be a part of the show. It's going to be awesome. Merch is coming. It's getting printed right now. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm going to send stuff out. And as usual, we'll see you on the radio. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.